Well, turn in your Bibles to Esther 4. We're continuing, of course, our study of this Old Testament history book, and we're seeing the providence and protection of God. And what we're seeing is the Jewish people living about 500 years before the birth of Christ. They're living in, in the Persian Empire. Esther is the story of a young Jewish girl who is raised up to be the queen of the Persian Empire. And why? Why would God raise her up? And it's the, to, to save the people. In our passage this morning, we're going to see the reaction of both Mordecai and Esther as they learn about the decree to destroy all the Jews. We find this is the turning point in their lives. A decree written by this man named Haman, who was an evil and prideful man, signed with the king's signet ring, has been sent throughout the whole kingdom. And the decree is that all Jewish people will be destroyed. How will Mordecai and Esther respond? How would you respond if a decree went out in the United States that everyone who claimed to be a Christian would be killed? Sort of what it's like. Everyone in this entire kingdom who's Jewish is going to be put to death. As we look at this passage, I want you to think about several things. First of all, realize that our lives affect others, both from good and bad. Sometimes we can affect people in a good way. We bring people to Christ. We help things. Sometimes we affect them in a bad way. What we do affects others. We don't live our lives in a vacuum. Number two, realize that God has raised us up for a purpose. Your life is valuable. Every aspect of every person in this room, God has created you and has raised you up, and every life is value and has a purpose. Third, how do we respond to the trials in our lives? How, we, how do we respond on things that we can't control? If you lived at this time, you'd you say, wait a minute, we, don't, we can't control if the king of the Persian Empire writes a decree to destroy every Jewish person. How are we going to deal with that? How do we deal with the things that we can't control? And last but not least, just remember that God keeps his promises. And we're going to see it as we go through. And so in chapter 4, Esther and Mordecai trust God. They have to trust God as we go through and we see the events of their lives. What's a promise? You know, a promise is when you say you're going to do something. When you were little, you'd say, cross my heart and hope to die. I promise, you know. Do we keep our promises? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And you know... If you don't keep a promise, one thing that happens, you lose your integrity. That's what happens. Because if you say, I'll do this, and you don't, people say, oh, they say they'll do it, but they never do. There is one who makes promises and always keeps them exactly. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. He always does exactly what he says. You can count on the word of God. If it says it, it does it. This morning we're going to see in the passage that Mordecai believes that God will keep his word. What is he talking about? See, God had promised and that he would protect and preserve his people. Mordecai, Mordecai trusts that God would not allow his people to be destroyed. And this morning we're going to see how Mordecai and Esther, how they react to the decree and what's going on. And we're going to see how that works. Let's, let's start by being reminded where we are. Remember, Esther has become the queen. She's been chosen out of all of the young girls in the whole kingdom to become the queen. That was God's sovereign power raising her up. Mordecai had saved the king's life. He'd got a government job because he was connected with Esther. Got a government job that he heard of a plot to kill the king. He told Esther. Esther told the king. It was all found out. They killed... They, 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 they killed those two guys that were going to kill the king. But Mordecai was never honored. And you say, wait a minute. Wait, I, I saved the king's life. I got nothing. 
And not after that. This man named Haman, who, who is known in the Bible as the enemy of the Jews and who is an evil man, is raised up to number two in the whole kingdom. And we'd say, that doesn't seem right. Why is that guy number two? Well, a decree was out that everybody had to bow down to Haman. And Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And we talked about it last week. Why didn't Mordecai bow down? Was Mordecai being awful religious? He said he was a Jew and Jews don't bow down. But listen, we're not talking about worship. Mordecai could have bowed down and not done anything wrong, but he wouldn't bow down. And when Haman saw he wasn't bowing down, and people came up to him and said, are you going to let that guy get away with it? And Haman said, why is he not bowing down? And they said, well, he said he's a Jew. And Haman said, so he's a Jew? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to kill that guy. I'm going to kill every Jew. And so he went to the king and told him that there were some people in the kingdom that were different people, and they were different, and they didn't do things right, and they needed to be destroyed. And if the king would let him do it, he would pay for it. And so he got the signet ring. And that's where we are. And they wrote a decree, and it sent it out. And 11 months from the day the decree was written, 11 months later, every Jew is to be killed. Men, women, boys, girls, all over everywhere. We said, gee, that's a bad thing. Because if every Jew was wiped out some 500 years before Jesus was born, then Jesus wouldn't be born. And if Jesus wasn't born, there is no Savior. If the Jewish people were eliminated, there is no Savior because Jesus Christ is Jewish and the whole promise of the Messiah and the Savior comes through the Jewish people. You know the king agreed to have these people killed and he never even asked who they were. He just gave his ring to Haman. If you notice last time in verse 13 of chapter 3, notice what it says. Letters were sent by curators to all the king's provinces to destroy to kill, to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, women and children, in one day. It was the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adair, and to seize their possessions. It went out to every province. And what they did, on the they said on the 13th day of the 12th month, and by the way, this was the 13th day of the first month, so there's 11 months away, you can kill, annihilate, and destroy every Jew and take their property. Verse 15, the couriers went out and paled by the king's command while the decree was issued to the citadel in Susa. And while the king and Haman sat down to drink, the city of Susa was in confusion. We talked about it last week. The whole city is upset because if they said, if they'll kill the Jews, who's next? If they'll kill all the Jews, who's next? What if a decree was given in the United States to kill every Muslim? Would you rejoice? You could say, well, if they're going to kill all the Muslims, when are the Christians next? So you can see the whole city was in confusion. As we think about chapter 4, I want you to think about several things. First of all, that Mordecai, his actions have brought this about. Mordecai's upset, but you know, he realizes if he'd have bowed down to Haman, this wouldn't have happened. And when we say bow down to Haman, it doesn't mean worship Haman. It just means show respect. He wouldn't do it. Mordecai could say, you know, I'm part of the, re I'm, I'm the cause of this thing. Second is we're going to see Esther knows that God has raised her up for a reason. And God has raised you up for a reason. Your life at this time and in this place. Let me break down the passage for you just so you can see it. We're going to see Mordecai's response. That's the first seven verses. And then the request to Esther in 8 through 14. And then Esther's response, 15, 16, 17. We'll see how all that ties together. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. See, when it, I want you to notice it says in the next slide, 
It said he learned. He learned about the decree, the date of destruction, and the money. See, it didn't mean he just read it, because the decree didn't tell about the money. It didn't tell any of that. It just said that on the 13th day of the 12th month, every Jewish person could be killed and their property taken. But he learned about this. He began to figure it out, because he was in a government job, he began to find out what happened, that this man named Haman had gone to the king, and that he set a date of destruction, and he was going to give a bunch of money to make sure it was all done. He learned about all of these things. What did he do? He tore his clothes. He'd say, what are you talking about? In that day and time, to show extreme anger or to stream sadness or extreme, extreme emotion, you would take like this and you would just tear it. And people would say, what are you doing? You're really upset. Yeah, you're really upset. That's what they did. And he says he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes and he went into the midst of the city and he wailed and, and, and loud, you know, wailed loudly and bitterly. I mean, here he is. He's making all this noise. Now, t- today we, we, would, we would say, that's weird. That's weird. But that wasn't weird then. He's going right into the city. And so here's a question for us to think about this. How do we react when something bad happens to us? And we all have some things happen to us in our lives. Some things are worse than others. How do we react? There's really two ways. One is anger. We say, I don't know why God would do this, and I don't, I don't think, why me, why now? And we want to blame other people. And all, and, but then sometimes we turn to God, and we have to trust him. And this is what we're going to see happens in the book of Esther. They're going to turn to God. Even though haven't, they haven't been living where they're supposed to be living, they haven't been doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're going to trust God. How do we react when something goes wrong? Negative or positive? Blaming or believing? He's in the middle of the city. He's got torn clothes. He's got on sackcloth, ashes on his head. He's going around. And he's wailing loudly. Why? I think he thinks he's the blame. Let me ask you a question. Do you think he's the blame? I do. If he'd have bowed down, do you think any of this would have happened? Maybe God would have done something else. We don't know. But because of what Haman did to begin with, his actions have affected who? Every other Jew. You understand that we don't live in a vacuum. You don't live in a vacuum. What you do and what I do affects other people. And so we may say, well, this is just me. No, it's not just me. Our actions affect others. When the right guard jumps offside, does the whole team go back or just the right guard? Whole team. When Jonas Salk invented the polio vaccine, did that help a lot of people or just a couple of people? Helped everybody. When Hitler decided he would put to death six million Jews, did that affect just one people or a bunch of people? See, our actions can affect others. Positive or negative. We can be bringing people to Christ. We can be pushing people away. So look what happens. Verse 2, he went as far as the king's gate, for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. Listen, he's gone, and he's gone up to the palace. He's gone up to see Esther, but you can't go in. Why? Because one of the rules was, if you had on sackcloth and ashes, you couldn't go into the king's palace. Because the king said, I don't have anything to do with people who are all upset. You know, if you're going to come see me, you better be happy. You know, that's kind of basically what it was. Because you were not allowed to enter the king's great uh, gate clothed in sackcloth and ashes. So look what happens. In each and every province where the command and the decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. You know, the truth, we cannot control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond to those circumstances. Now, I don't blame the Jewish people. 
for being upset because the decree has gone out to destroy every one of them. This is not the first time. In Egypt, what was the plan? Kill all the boy babies. Pretty soon there won't be any Jewish people. Hitler said, no Jewish people. Antiochus Epiphanes IV, in about 173 B.C., said, I would like to kill every Jewish person. Because see, if Satan could kill Jewish people before Jesus came, there wouldn't be any Savior. So look what happens, verse 4. Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her, and the queen read in great anguish, and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but he did not accept them. Now, I want you to understand something. Esther doesn't know what's going on. Esther doesn't even know about the decree. Esther's the queen. She's up there, and she's got all these people that wait on her, and she's got all this stuff. She doesn't see the king every day. In fact, we're going to find out from this passage, she hasn't seen the king in a month. She has her little place, her little palace, and that's how she's living. And she's insulated from the rest of the world. And they tell her, do you know that guy, Mordecai, your, your cousin who raised you like a father? He's out front in sackcloth, ashes, crying out, wailing, making all kind of noise. And when they told her, she was all upset. And she said, here, take these clothes out to him and let him put them on. And so they sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him. But he wouldn't accept them. They said, here, Esther says, put on these clothes. And he said, I'm not putting them on. I'm not putting them on. She knows something's wrong, but she doesn't know what it is. She sent the clothes. Maybe, maybe the clothes were because she was embarrassed that he had those on. And she didn't want, or maybe she wanted him to come in and see if she could find out. But he wouldn't change clothes, so he can't come in. So what is she going to do? Look at verse 5. So Esther summoned Hatchats from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was what this was and why it was. Now, this poor guy is going to go back and forth. He's going to go see Mordecai. Mordecai's going to say something. He's going to go back. Then she's going to say, go tell Mordecai this. He's going to go tell Mordecai. Mordecai's going to send him back. Then she's going to say, well, go tell Mordecai this. He's going to go back and forth. Eventually, he's going to say, I wish y'all could get together. You know, I'm going back and forth and back and forth. That's his job, though. Notice, she summoned Hattash from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to find out what is going on. So Hathach went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. He goes out, outside the palace, to see what is going on, why he's dressed like this. Because Esther doesn't know. Now, do Jews throughout the 127 provinces of the Persian Empire, do most of them know? Yes. Why doesn't Esther know? She's the queen. She's in a palace. She doesn't know all the stuff that's going on in the world. She's insulated. So she doesn't know what's happening. So look. So Hashtag went out to Mordecai to the city gate in front of the uh, to the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Now he told him this. He said, Here's what happened. Haman got the good job. And I wouldn't bow down to him. You can tell Esther, I wouldn't bow down to him. I told him I'm a Jew and I'm not bowing down to anybody. But he got real mad. And when he got real mad, he decided he would kill all Jews. And so he got the king to sign, a, you know, to give him the signet ring. And he wrote it. And all of us are supposed to be killed. And he gave a whole bunch of money. He said he would pay for the whole thing so the king wouldn't even have to worry about money. And that's what's happened. And then in verse 8 he says, He also gave a copy of the text 
of, of the text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show Esther and inform her and to order her. Notice, order her. Mordecai's going to order her. He's ordering the queen to go into the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. So he says, look, this is a copy of the decree. Take this into Esther. She's never seen this. She doesn't even know there's a decree out there. Ten, take this into Esther. Show her the decree. And you tell her, I said, she's got to go into the king and she's got to implore him. She's got to plead with him. Now, do you remember anything about the laws of the Medes and the Persians? The laws of the Medes and the Persians, what? Could not be changed, ever. When this decree has gone out... On the 13th day of the 12th month, it doesn't matter whatever else he says. That decree is out and cannot be changed. So on the 13th day of the 12th month, everyone in that kingdom has a right to kill every Jew and take their property. He can't come back in and say, okay, uh, we cancel that law out. Because the laws of the Medes and the Persians could not be changed. So what are they going to do? We say, well, I don't know what we're going to do. He says, you go in to see the king and implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. Now, let me say something. Mordecai told Hattach, you tell Esther she better pray for her and go in there and protect her people. If they didn't know it, right now those people know the queen is Jewish. These are the people that work for her. These are her helpers. This is Hatchtas. This is her. They're all going to go, oh my gracious, the queen is a Jew. We didn't know that. The king doesn't know that. Nobody else knows that. We just found it out because Mordecai said she better go plead for her people. In the trials of life, where do we go? Where do we go when the trials come? We go to our Savior. Hebrews chapter 4, we come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. You can come anytime, any place, anywhere about anything to our God and Savior. Regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of the ups and downs, the ins, the outs, the bads, the goods, regardless, you can come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus Christ has already gone before you. He is the captain and the author of our faith. He has provided the way. That's why when we say prayers, we say, in Jesus' name we pray because we're going in the name of Jesus has already gone before us and we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. The Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, but what? By everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Let go to him no matter what is going on in your life. He is there. So look what happened. Hashtag came back. This is verse 9. He came back and related Mordecai's word to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hashtag and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. They're going back and forth and back and forth. And here's what she says. She says, look, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's province know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court who is not summoned, he has but one law. Remember the laws of the Medes and Persians can't be changed. He has but one law, and that is he'd be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I've not been summoned to come to the, see the king for these 30 days. 
Now she says, you, you, gotta t you know, Mordecai wants me to go see the king, but he doesn't understand something. You go back and tell him that here's a rule, that when the king is sitting on the throne, he's sitting on the throne and he's got his big thing and he's got a scepter in his hand, which is like a big stick. It's, got, it's golden. If anybody walked into that room, and there's a place there, they're like at the back, like at the back of this, order, the back of this room here. If the king is sitting on the throne and somebody walked in, if he doesn't hold down that scepter so they can walk and touch the top of it, if he holds it and doesn't do it, there were guards that would kill the person in the back. Now, if the king asked you to come, that's a whole different thing. If the king asked you to come, then you could come in. But if you showed up, Unannounced, because the kings were really paranoid. They thought, who's trying to kill me? Because we've already seen in this, in this book, two guys tried to kill the king already. So he said, if anybody just shows up, if I don't know who they are, and I don't know what they're fixing to do, we're going to kill them. So she says, you better tell Mordecai, listen, you just don't walk in on the king. You just don't go there. Because if you walk in, and he doesn't put down the golden scepter, you're dead. And he hadn't called for me in 30 days. I hadn't even seen him in 30 days. He may even be mad at me. If he's mad at me, I sure don't want to walk in in the back door there and he's going to kill me. So she says, you, you, you better tell him there's a problem. Anyone who comes before the king without being summoned is put to death. In fact, tradition says, and some of the history says, that there were guards with axes. And uh, if he didn't lower the scepter, they just hacked people to death. You ever thought about approaching the living God? He's all-powerful, isn't he? Created everything. You know, you, you don't have the right to approach the living God. Not by yourself. By the grace of God. God has so loved us, he sent Jesus to be our go-between, our mediator. And we can approach the living God through Jesus Christ. Not on our own, but through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. He holds out his scepter to us. It's called the scepter of grace. And we can come to him. Well, she sends word back. Look at verse 12. It says, they related Esther's words to Mordecai. They came back to Mordecai and said, I don't think she's going to be able to go. <laughs> because if she goes, he could kill her. Because the rule is, if he doesn't put down the scepter, uh, he'll kill her. And he, he hadn't called for her in 30 days. So I don't think she's going to go. I don't think she can go. Mordecai is going to tell her three things. I want you to see what they are. He's going to tell her, you're not going to escape. Just because you're the queen, you think you're going to escape? Number two, if you're silent, help's going to come from somebody else. And number three, it is not by accident that you are in this position. That's the three things. Let's watch what he says to her. Look at number one. We're going to start at verse 13. Look at number one. Just because you're the queen doesn't mean you'll not fall under the decree. Look at verse 13. Mordecai told them to, to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. Is Queen Esther Jewish? Does the decree say on the 13th day of the 12th month every Jewish person can be put to death? He says, do you think, Esther, because you're in the queen, you're in the palace, that you're going to escape this? The answer is no. Number two, if you're silent, if you don't do something, God is going to deliver us another way. Notice what he says. If you remain, this is verse 14, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another 
place. You know what he's saying? Listen, if you don't do anything, God's still going to take care of us. God is not going to let the Jewish people be destroyed. Do you know why? Because in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3, he made a covenant with Abraham, and through that covenant, they gave them a land, a seed, a blessing. He said that through Abraham, the Messiah would come and be the Savior of the world, and through Abraham and the Messiah, the entire world would be blessed. And later on in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, he told King David that through King David, a Messiah would come who would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Mordecai knows that that hadn't happened yet, and God is not going to let his people be destroyed because God will always keep his promises and in Leviticus 26 verse 42 he says I will always remember my covenant with Abraham Isaac and Jacob as the Jewish people let me ask you a question do you think there's always be Jewish people you bet there are they are his people it has nothing to do with salvation because God chose Jewish people he did not save them they're all saved by faith in the same way that you're saved but he chose them as a people group to bring the word of God and to bring the Messiah. And his promises will never fail. God cannot lie. He keeps his promises. And let me tell you something. Think about the promises he has for us. Let me just give you something real quickly. These are promises he made to us. He says, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. You will never perish. That's a promise from God who cannot lie. If you trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, he says, I'm preparing a home in heaven for you. He, he says in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't that way, I told you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'll prepare it. When it gets all ready, I'll come back and get you. That is a promise from God. He said that I'm going to make you a new body. Everybody will be tall. Uh, you know, in Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21, he's going to make a new body for us. It's a glorified body. And we're all going to be changed in a moment of the twinkle of an eye. That's a promise. He said, I will reward those who are faithful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. If you live righteously and godly and faithful and serve Jesus Christ, one day he will say to you, well done, good and faithful. That's a promise. Wow. Mordecai, Mordecai says, Esther, you don't understand. You're not going to escape. Number two, if you don't do something, God will do something with somebody else because he's going to save our lives. He's going to save the Jewish people. Now, he didn't say he'd save their lives. Notice what he says. He says, relief will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. He says, we may all die, but not all the Jews are going to die because God's going to protect his people and keep his promises. And then finally, there's the third thing. This is not an accident that you are in this position, is what he says. Look what he says in verse 14. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not obtained royalty for such a time as this. Out of all the people in all the world, how is it, Esther, you have become the queen for such a time as this? And you have to understand, God always has his people. You understand that? God had Moses to bring him out of Egypt. God had David to shepherd the nation. God had Jeremiah to tell of the coming judgments. God had John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. God had Peter, the fisherman, to go both to the Jews and the Gentiles. God had Paul to write the 13 letters in the missionary journeys. God had Luther to begin the Reformation. God had Wesley to start the whole discipleship thing. God had Lewis Berry Chafer to get the grace, clear message strong in the United States. And God had Billy Graham to keep 
the evangelism message is going. He's got, always got his people. And he's got every one of you. And it may not be as dramatic as some of these, but your life is just as valuable, and he will use you in exactly the same way. He's going to take that life that he created, that he formed you in your mother's womb, that he planned your life, and he's given you gifts and talents and abilities, and he's going to use you to do things for him beyond what you could imagine. Your life is valuable. You're in this place, in this time, for a particular reason, for such a time as this. Are you used by God? Are you saying to the Lord, take my life, use me for your glory. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it, Lord. I want my life to count for you. So look what happens. Verse 15, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Okay, go assemble all the Jews who were found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Here's what she says. Listen, everybody fast. Now, normally, it doesn't mention prayer. I don't mean to say it in a bad way, but it doesn't say fast and pray. It says fast. Usually when Jewish people fasted, they also prayed. But fast means to go without the things you need without food and water. I've had people say, well, I've been on a fast for 14 weeks. I said, what are you talking about? Well, I just, I'm only drinking orange juice. I said, that's not a fast. I mean, that may be a particular type of fast, but the fast that the Bible talks about is you don't eat or drink anything. And she said, everybody's got to fast three days, three nights. Listen, we've got to, we've got to get on our faces before God, and then I'm going to go in. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to just tell you this. If I die, I'll die. Now, she's not just saying, oh, whatever will be, will be. She's saying, look, I'm trusting God. And if God's plan is I die, I'll trust him. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember they said, if you bow down, we won't throw you in the, in the, in the fiery furnace. But they said, listen, whether God's going to deliver us or not, we don't know. But we ain't bowing down. Esther says, I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. But I'm going in. Y'all, fast for me. And if I perish, I perish. You think it could be scary? Have you thought about this little girl? There's no telling how old she is. Now, there's been some years past. If she was 14, 15, 16, 17, she may be in her mid-20s. She may be in her mid-20s now. Because some years have passed. At least seven years from the time she became queen. So she could be mid-20s. A 20-year-old girl, 22-year-old girl has got to go to stand before the most powerful man in the world with the ability to put her to death anytime he wants to. And there's a decree out to kill her and all her people, and she's got to go in to talk to him about changing that somehow. And she knows that the laws of the Medes and Persians can't be changed. And all she says is, I don't know, but if I die, I'll die. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. She's going to wait till three days, and then she's going in to see the king. We see Mordecai upset, goes to Esther, tells her what's going on. They go back and forth, and finally he says, listen, don't think you're going to escape. If you don't do something, God's going to protect us one way or the other, but you've been raised up for such a time as this. And so Esther says, I'll take the chance. I'll go in there, and if I die, I die. So as we look at this, what are some applications? Realize that our, faction, our actions affect others. We don't live in a vacuum. Mordecai put the Jews in this situation. I hate to say it, but he did. 
and our actions affect others, and either we're building people up and we're encouraging one another as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, that we're building people up, we're helping people to grow, we're getting excited, we're stirring up one another to love and good works, or we're tearing people down. We're hurting the cause of Christ. We have to be careful. We don't What we do in our family, in our work, our school, our relationships, what we do affects other people. We want to live in such a way that we're bringing people to Christ, not pushing people away. Number two, God has raised us up for his purpose. Your life is not insignificant. It is just as significant as Daniel and David and Esther and Mordecai and Paul. Peter he may have used them to do different things but your life is just as valuable did Jesus Christ die for Paul the Apostle did he die for you yes you're just as valuable you're gifted with talents and abilities that God's given you you are here for a reason let me give you a quote from Winston Churchill listen to what he says there is a special moment in everyone's life for that reason they were born this mission for which he or she is qualified it is their finest hour there's a reason you're here and there's a reason that God's going to use you beyond what you could imagine and you need to look around and say I want my life to count for God so that when I stand before him he'll say well done He said, I put you there in that place, in that time. Good job. That's what we have to do. Third, God trusts him in the trials of life. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. He can't go wrong. We just have to trust him in the bad times and the good times. He's in control. He's working all things. God keeps his promises. Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Those that love God, those that are called according to his purpose, they didn't say everything was good. He said he works it out for good because God is a good God. He is faithful. So may we live in such a way that we're bringing people to Christ as we trust him in the circumstances of life, knowing that he works it all out and that we want to live for him.